Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the JKWD Podcast. This is episode 99, which means you know something big's going to happen next episode, right? How you doing, Kelvin? What, what's what's that mean? That ninety nine thing is that is that like a new goal or something? Oh, that's this is it's the number of this episode right here, oh. episode ninety nine, which means our next episode is episode one hundred one zero zero triple digits, y'all. We're gonna have to do something really fun for that one. Yeah. Okay, let's not speculate that just yet. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm looking forward to that, and uh, we, still, we, we still get to figure out what we're going to talk about there. Yeah. Oh, no. By the time this airs, we'll know. That's right. We will. Yeah, so we'll have something good, but, to, go, good to go on, but it might be just a fun issue. Any roller coasters we can go down with a camera and, and, and let them see us pass out? On- Jumping out of a plane, perhaps? Will Will Smith did it? No, I'll pass. Thanks. Okay. Allison talked about jumping out of a plane on this episode right here that you're about to hear. Really? Mm. We did. She talked about she talked about bungee jumping and, oh, and yeah. jumping out of a plane, and I believe she called it skydiving. That's just that's the word she used. That's just that's just a euphemism for jumping out of a plane. Get out! I didn't know that. Oh, okay. Well, that was it. Skydiving. It makes it, that was it. it makes it sound like you're swimming in the back. You can't dive up, can you? You know, you had, that's an all the way down thing. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Why gravity. Gravity doesn't like when you try to dive up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, terrible. I guess if you, I guess if you went up high enough. <laughs> a terrible picture just came to mind. Anyway, <laughs> that's all right. Well, good morning, and and happy happy day. Yeah, life is life is good. It is, uh, and as always, we're brought to you by Audible, AudibleTrial.com/slash/JKWD for your free audiobook, your free month at Audible, or if you're fat-thumbed like I am, um, you can you can text JKWD to five hundred five hundred, and they'll send you a link, and you won't have to type AudibleTrial.com/slash/JKWD, but but you can get a free audiobook. Uh, such as yep high performance habits how extraordinary people become that way brendan burchard who he's got to be one of the most number one published authors on the planet right now i think he's been in success magazine and this is a this is a pretty pricey book on the on the market but if you get it from audible for a free trial I'm thinking, don't cost nothing. It's a good time. That is the um, that is the cost of free. That is zero, zip, zilch, nada. Really good. These habits will make you extraordinary. And you know, if That's you my story, and I'm sticking to it. If you uh, are looking for something of a different ilk, I am currently reading Peak by Anders Ericsson, Robert Poole. Uh, if you are familiar with Malcolm Gladwell's concept of 10,000 hours to expertise, it's not just doing something for 10,000 hours. It's 10,000 hours of deliberate practice. And this is not the concept Malcolm Gladwell came up with. It's a concept that Anders Ericsson came up with. And uh, this is his latest book. Mm, 
that guy. That guy. You know, in case they don't want a free audio audio book, are we going to have our Amazon link to that bad boy? Yeah. Well, we can put that up there too. But yeah, they can get this on on Audible as well for for free. Or audiblechild.com slash JKWD or JKWD 500. I, I, I see no reason we should discriminate against the people who already had their free book. They should be able to buy it too. I mean, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, positively. That's that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So, <laughs> so good. Oh boy, we better put some choices. Yeah, we better put some music here before uh, before we forget. got Allison Donaghy on today uh, and uh, we, we had a lot of fun uh, this uh, uh, we got deep and then we got shallow and then we got deep again and went deeper and this uh, another one of those wide-ranging conversations that uh, we talked about a lot of different stuff we did we did do that did she did she did she introduce herself on the thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah, she she uh, talked a little bit about who she is, and she does talk uh, a little bit about uh, sexual assault in high school and all that kind of stuff. So if you're particularly sensitive to, to that sort of thing, or if there are little ears, well, young ears, you know, so, some grown-ups have little ears. Um, if there are young ears in the room, the, you know, you might want to wait um, before hearing this. And if you are particularly sensitive to... Um, you know, to to stuff like assault, then then this might not be the episode for you. But we think uh, we think there's a lot of value in in what's going on here um, and what Allison has to say. And with that, there she is. All right. So, Allison, hello. We've talked to you before over on my solo podcast and i think right about then was when you're coming out with a book so welcome to to jkwd here and we operate kind of the same way that that we do you know we get a couple of notes just to remind us who who everybody is but um we just have a free-flowing conversation um and last time we talked we were talking about think opposite and now you're you're back with a with a new with 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 something new with my part. Um, do you want to talk about, talk a little bit about both maybe, um, and, and maybe, maybe, maybe introduce yourself a little bit so that <laughs> <laughs> I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my name is Allison and, um, I've been a business owner for the better part of my life. Um, I've had a house painting company for the last 20 years and I started Domino thinking about a year and a half ago ish, maybe two years ago now. It's hard to keep track. And I basically encourage people to think about what they think about. 
which stemmed the book, the Think Opposite book for business, where I think if we think differently about our business, then we can actually have a really positive, huge impact in the world and we can use our business as a tool to do that, which then led to the whole notion of thinking opposite, where if we suspend our belief, consider a different perspective, then we can actually proceed with clarity and communication because we're so busy trying to convert people that we don't learn how to talk anymore, which then has led to hashtag my part because whenever we are in a situation, we have to remember that we play a part in it, except for some really extreme things. We get kidnapped and, you know, or there's a war or something that has totally beyond our control. Everything else is a dance that we participate in. So no matter where we are, we have driven the bus getting us to where we are. And when we accept accountability for that, when we understand our part in that, that's when we actually find empowerment and in its truest sense, not this sense that's sort of tossed around a lot. And so I encourage people to stop first and understand how they are contributing to whatever's going on in their life. Well, we can just stop the podcast right here. <laughs> <laughs> Got all that taken care of. That's a, <laughs> well, well, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big thing because um, I find even in my own life, uh, sometimes I have to backtrack and figure out how I got to where I am knowing that I probably did 80% of the driving. Okay. 90, you know, and then, uh, and it, and, and it's tough sometimes not to blame the guy in the other lane. <laughs> so true. Uh, and, That's right. Well, you know, however that goes. So most people, uh, that I have found don't like owning up to that part. So, uh, how do you work with those folks? Ah, well, usually we start talking about why they are in the situation that they're in. And it's, it is really difficult and scary to face what our part is. Accepting responsibility is not something we encourage in the world, um, especially here in North America. Actually, I shouldn't speak for other countries. Um, but You're doing we, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really think that you know, our, our criminal justice system is set up so that somebody else tells us how to be accountable. Um, our parents are constantly telling their children what to do and how to do it. And so um, the children grow up not even knowing how to accept responsibility for their own choices because they're being influenced by other people. So when I'm working with people, I really talk to them about how they got to where they are, why they are there, because often it's the why that they're lacking something in their life. And so they're searching for something else and they're trying to um, force that on another person and then holding them responsible when it's not turning out. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Like Josh dragged me into this podcast business, you know. It's, it's and you, all it his kicking and screaming and you hate it. I yeah. had it. I had nothing to do with it. You just made me do a <laughs> podcast together and, and you know, I, I eventually, you know, acclimated because it's cool. <laughs> it is pretty cool. Got to say. Cool. Um, so how did, how did you come about this path right now? I mean, you, you, you've had a traditional business for a couple of decades and then uh, you're, yeah, everything is kind of related. I think you. I mean, you have to you have to do some of this stuff for yourself when you're running a business. Um, how did you come about, uh, you know, coming up with a way to teach other people, and and how how, how did you pick your path on that? 
there's a lot in there. <laughs> I, um, <clears throat> I found that with my traditional business, I was always really speaking to people and trying to give them control over their choices. And so with the house painting company, I really designed everything so that people get informed and then they're able to say, oh, this is how I want to proceed. And I think that's the first step in understanding and making choices is by gathering information which is not always easy, especially today on the internet where only half a story is ever sort of published. And then um, I, I spoke at an event a couple of years ago about how women, we are not as far along the evolution as we seem to think we are, and that we need to have conversations about that. And then somebody said to me, oh my God, you need to be doing this all the time. I was like, it's a thing, really? Um, this is the way I think. Like, it, you know, it didn't ever seem to be anything unusual for my brain. And then this last January, I spoke in Vancouver about the hashtag MeToo movement and how while it has some really great parts to it, I, I think it can be very damaging as well because posting on Facebook what your experience is, is actually extremely vulnerable, can be very devastating um, without the proper support around you. And I think a lot of people were doing that without the proper support. I think it also puts women in a position where they feel they can just point the finger at men and be done with it and not even understanding what that backlash is. And so when I was sexually assaulted in high school, I figured out how I contributed to that, not as a way to blame the victim and not as a way to say that whatever happens is okay, because what he did certainly wasn't okay. But when I was actually able to get to the place where I was like, whoa, I, you know, I was a loner at school. Um, I didn't have many friends. I just moved into this new town. I was alone and, and uncomfortable. And a friend of mine invited me to a um, Christian group and where the most popular boy wanted to talk to me and I was using him as a way to gain popularity so when we went out and I was alone with him I still made the decision every single step of the way to stay and because I didn't want other people to think poorly of me and and then um, the sexual assault ensued and it and so it wasn't until I actually could make that connection that I was part of that and and again, not to make it all okay, because it's not. But when I realized I, the reason I became okay with what happened, I was able to move on. And I wasn't in finger pointing in a place of blame was because I understood how I contributed to that happening. And I see so much of that not happening in the world, regardless of topics, you know, parents and teenagers, parents are just like, Oh, it's all their fault. They're teenagers. No, no, it's it, no, this is a joint effort that's gotten the two of you to the place where you're at. And we have to accept responsibility for what our part in that is. Once, once you come to that realization or once one comes to, I'm going to use you kind of generically um, in this case, once you come to that, realization that maybe you know that that some of these choices certainly led you into into an undesirable situation that, that you you know that you probably couldn't foresee foresee it coming right um you know we go out and we drive a car we don't always foresee an accident but Correct. um we're more likely to get in a car accident if we're driving a car than if we're um, sitting on the couch, right? Um, yeah, the car's an important part. <laughs> right, right. So, so, I mean, if you're staying home alone, you're less likely to, um, yeah. you know, have an encounter with somebody if there's nobody else around. Um, so so you're not always going to foresee it, but 
but certainly you put yourself in a riskier situation by being around other people, especially other people you don't know mm-hmm. um, as well. And once you come to the realization that perhaps, um, you know, some of your choices could have been different, um, how do you avoid kicking yourself for a long period of time? How do you come out of that with the idea that, um, okay, now that I understand this, we have, we have so much more to teach from it and, and to learn from it for, for ourselves. And then from there, maybe make different choices as we move forward? Well, there definitely has to be a level of detachment from it. It needs to be that something that you you take from in here and you put it in front of you and then you look at it. It's very, very difficult to look at it from the the inside because we are so emotionally attached to it. But if we think about it, okay, if we play it over as if it was a movie happening in front of us, then it becomes really easy to watch a movie where this happens and goes, oh, man, she really kind of used him for that. And he kind of did that. And we can look at it more objectively. And I think when it's it's definitely something that needs to be developed, it doesn't happen easily. And if you can find people that can work on that with you, all the better, because sometimes they can give an outside perspective of saying, you know, I did this with a friend of mine recently, and she um, is going through a divorce, a separation. Um, It's her second husband, and... um, and he's betrayed her. And so she says, I am so solidly stuck in being a victim. How do I, you know, accept what my part of it is. And so we worked through a process where we ended up finding that she was actually trying to find worthiness from her ex-husband in her new husband. And then, um, in doing so, she treated him as unworthy because she wanted to turn him into something that would make her ex-husband think that she was now worthy. And so it became these loops of being worthy. And now he is trying, her present husband was trying to make himself worthy in their relationship, but she was busy elsewhere. Are you following this? Am I even yeah. explaining this well? <laughs> There's a lot of looping yeah. going on in here. And so um, working together with somebody who's able to say, do you think that maybe this was part of it? And somebody who actually truly cares about you and doesn't have their own weird agenda because, you know, some people have weird agendas. That's just the reality. of it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and really kind of separate from what it is, because we think our, our feelings are so the end all and be all of everything. And they're not. They are just feelings. And we get to decide how much we engage in those feelings. And for me personally, I prefer to focus on those feelings that make me feel good and work through all those ones that are making me not feel good so that I can just set them aside and just really enjoy life because life miserable sucks. It does at that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It does that. So how did you, um, how did you come by these, these epiphanies? I love that word because it makes my mouth do exercises. Um, (laughs) Uh, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people, we, we are kind of trained to, to not take the blame. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing is our fault. Uh, yeah. I, I kind of like uh, Grant Cardone's uh, perspective when, you know what, are you kidding? Nothing happens to me. Everything happens because of me. Uh, and and I've, I live a great deal of my life that way. So whatever I end up in a situation, I know that I opened the door somewhere to whatever just happened. Unless, of course, it's like a hurricane or something, and 
I can blame myself for that because I moved here on purpose. So right? <laughs> even there, yes. <laughs> yeah, even 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 here. Now I can't say nothing about the snow, but mm. <clears throat> helping people to come to the we're gonna get into some of your other stuff here uh, to to come to the fact um, that they were even con- contributing. Well, even if it weren't, because I always say. Um, well, I don't always say I just started saying it not too long ago. Responsibility is not blame. Just because you take responsibility for it doesn't mean it was, quote unquote, your fault. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we are also a society in a world that likes to be able to place specific blame on people. So um, how do you help people get to the point where they can take the responsibility but don't feel blame? And I hope that's not too closely to what Josh asked you a few minutes ago. <laughs> I actually love that the responsibility isn't blame. And I think everybody should just sort of put that up on their wall right now. Anybody listening, stop, get out a pen and paper, make yourself a sticky note and stick it on your computer and every time you sit down and read it. Because I think it's brilliant. I really, I do. Um, we Tell can, all your you're friends. welcome. <laughs> I will. Um, and I will cite you as well. Um, it, I think... When we can start seeing responsibility as a gift that we are giving ourselves, then we can set the blame aside because <clears throat> that accepting responsibility is what actually helps us move forward. It helps us choose the life that we want. Up until we accept responsibility, we're just like blindly running through the forest hoping we don't hit trees. Once we start accepting responsibility, then we can figure out how to move out of that forest and see the beach and the mountains and the shopping malls and the theater and art and music, whatever it is that we we really want to have in our life. But that comes with accepting responsibility for the choices that we're making. And at the beginning, it is really, really hard. Like if somebody told me 20 years ago, just accept responsibility for everything that happens in your life, I'd be like, screw you. Like, <laughs> no, this boyfriend that I had that relapsed into drug addiction, that's not me. That's not, I had nothing to do with that. I, I did. I put myself there. I drove that bus to that spot. I engaged in that dance. And I have to own those dance moves that I bring into those relationships, even the ugly, weird, you know, funky chicken dance moves. Um, but when we can- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it. Yeah. But when we see responsibility as a gift, then we can set aside that blame and know that we're doing it as a way to heal. And, and it's a decision. Like anything else, it's a decision to get fit. It's a decision to eat better. It's a decision to leave a bad marriage. It's a decision to have children, whatever the case may be. Accepting responsibility is simply a decision we get to make and our future self will thank us. I enjoy that. So is it, still, is it still my turn? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, well, I didn't I know through, you were taking turns. I went through, your, I went through your, uh, your, your website this morning, and I know this um, is maybe off because I, I didn't get to have hear the other podcast because, okay, I'm going to take responsibility for now listening to Josh's podcast where he interviewed you, right? Oh, Josh, I don't know if you can forgive him for that. Oh, yeah, he, he will because he spends... I guess the first round is on him when he, I... He, when he I spends it. a lot of time laughing at me when I do dumb stuff, so he gets his payment back. But, um, <laughs> you said in one that you consider your... And this is it. You consider yourself to be a cause and effect strategist. Mm, yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, when I, especially when I'm working with businesses, although it does sort of hold um, true for all sorts of situations, 
you know, it's that whole concept of the butterfly flaps its wing in Asia and we get a hurricane in the States. It's, um, there is a, a reaction to everything we put in place. And when we can get to that place of trying to anticipate what those results are going to be, then one, we're taking responsibility because we are um, owning that decision that we're making in advance. And then when we can explore what that domino effect is going to be of those decisions, we can usually end up where we want to be faster than if we're just still stumbling through that forest we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> so I talk with businesses and then, you know, they end up like over in some weird place and they're like, I don't know how I got here. And you trace it back to a decision that sent them left instead of right. And they were just too busy to think it through. And that's usually the cause. We're usually just too busy. Which is which is which is another thing. I, I have neglected to ask you something here, and uh, <laughs> and I'm going to do this because you just said a couple of things, and now I'm like, hmm. So, who is your client? Who is your audience? What, who are you talking to? Who are you helping? Well, I do um, work with businesses doing strategy work, but my real love is um, speaking on the stage, speaking to groups, and getting dialogue and communication happening around how we see things and how we can think about things more. So if I had it my way, all I would be doing is speaker circuits and uh, talking to people, raising awareness. Okay. Yeah. That's your preference. Creating that hashtag me too movement. <laughs> no, not that one. That one's already been done. The hashtag my <laughs> Oh my God. You know, I use them in conjunction all the time. And especially with this Tony Robbins stuff that's going on right now, um, which I of course have very strong feelings about. Uh, I don't enjoy the man, but I think everything he had did and said was taken way out of context and was actually um, really creating an environment where we could see what he was talking about, that whole victimization and I'm, you know, what I'm happened. not familiar with that. I'm going to have to, find, uh, I'm going to have to hunt that down and see. What uh, well, most of what you're going to find is after the fact where his um, words were cut and pasted uh-huh. and uh, in a way that was convenient for him to look like the villain. If you can actually yeah. get your hands on the original one where he says, hashtag me too is a great movement. I'm not criticizing that. I'm criticizing the victimization that um, we can, fall into because you know everything is a double-edged sword like there's a good and a positive or negative to everything and um the negative to the hashtag me too movement or but yeah is when we um feel like uh, we've been victimized and then we act like a victim and then we point fingers so the people who are pointing fingers at him actually just prove the point that he recanted about victimization and i think it's absolutely shameful that he had to recant that they, they've been they've been doing that to him for years. Uh, one of the other, speaking of, of victims, one of the other uh, phrases that that I love that helps me out with the victimization thing is from Richard Bach in in his book um, Messiah's Handbook, and the phrase is, "If it's never your fault, you will never take responsibility for it, and if you never take responsibility for it, you will always be its victim." That's one of my favorite lines in the world, and Anytime I hit that situation, I've got to I've got to think about that. Yes. Which is how I came up with responsibility is not blame, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, which everybody now has stuck to their computer. Which they should give them <laughs> specific instructions, right? I did. I was clear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. And you know, and it's it's so it is so true. Somebody said to me, um, I was at an event, and you know, when you're lining up waiting for the doors to open, mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody, and they said, "What is the di- the difference between a victim and a victor?" 
And he said, the victor is willing to do what the victim is not. And in this mm-hmm. case, I think it has to do with, you know, in, it, from my perspective with that, uh, my part is looking at your part. And, and if we don't start addressing these elephants in the room, I, we're just going to just keep um, flipping the status quo. Right. Right. So men have had so much control for so long. And now women have taken this hashtag me too movement and they're pointing fingers without thinking about the fallout, just like men didn't think about the fallout when we were being oppressed and um, spent a lot of nights on the couch. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) I I have no idea what you're talking about. No, No, of course not. Um, And uh, and so, yeah, I think when we, we need to be willing to do what it takes to no longer stay in that ugly victim soup. Right. And for one, for one group to rise, the other or another group doesn't need to fall. We can all, you know, rise together. You know, we're not, mm-hmm. we don't need to supplant, you know, while we may need to kind of trip up power structures and shuffle stuff around. If you're, if you're looking at a scale, um, if one side's way higher, it doesn't need to come down for the other side to go up. The other side can come up too, and and you know they can be equal. I like to say there's not a finite amount of awesome in the world. Uh, <laughs> there isn't. We all have that capacity. Yeah. So the we we've come to the point where we can objectively look at our past and realize that the kind of faults the re, the the responsibility for for where we are relies primarily with us. How do we take this new knowledge that where we are lies with us and move it forward uh, so that so that our futures are better? I think, uh, and that's a really good question. I think when we have accepted responsibility for our part in something another person's reaction to us doesn't seem to matter as much. And that allows us to get into a space where we can have conversations with people who may disagree with us without taking it personally. And when we can have conversations with people who disagree with us, we can actually start exploring the full gamut of any topic um, so that we can create win-win situations. Because I agree with you, awesomeness is not limited. We can all be amazing. I believe very, very strongly that there can be win-win situations. And in order to create a win-win situation, sometimes we need to make a concession or let go of some of our extreme um, beliefs. Um, Because a terrorist, it's probably going to be kind of hard to find a win-win with a terrorist unless he's willing to let go of bombing people. I'm just, you know, putting that out there, you know. uh, But for the rest of us mere mortals, I think if we can um, stop wrapping our own identity into how other people feel about us, then we can have conversations with them. And I think that's the ultimate goal, having conversations and, and seeing the whole picture and understanding that their experience of something is different than our experience of something. There's um, a thing going around on Facebook right now about a racist museum that opened up. And um, it's a sociologist was talking about this and how words have no um, inherent meaning. They're not good. They're not bad. They just are words. It's our experience that creates the emotion around the word. So if you take a watermelon, for example, watermelon in and of itself is not racist. But somebody who has experience with watermelon being used in a racist connotation is going to see watermelon as being racist. 
And when I can accept what my relationship with watermelon is, what your relationship with watermelon is, I can just be curious about because it's not tied to my sense of self. Now I can have a conversation with somebody about why they think it's racism and how we can actually move beyond that. Right on. Uh, it's funny that you bring up watermelon because Kelvin actually has a story about that. <laughs> oh, now I must admit, I he, didn't, couple of he didn't even watermelons. He you. didn't even realize uh, he didn't even realize it was racist until he went home and told somebody else. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So you, you now you want me to tell that story, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess you have to now. <laughs> I gotta have a, I gotta have a couple of them. Well, when I first moved to, um, well, I got a couple really. When I first moved to Syracuse. Uh, which was back in 1992, week before Thanksgiving. Anyway, um, shortly after I was here, we we have a store here named Wegmans. It's it's our big grocery store, and uh, or, or whatever you want to call it, because it's not just groceries anymore. I think you can buy cards there now, but <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. But um, I went into the store, and I was walking into the store. There was an elderly white woman. Uh, standing next to this large wooden vat of watermelons. <clears throat> and as I walked past her, she said, excuse me, sir. I wonder, could you help me pick out a watermelon? And I said, I smiled first. And then I said, absolutely. <laughs> I can help you do that. <laughs> Cause this woman must've been 150 years old. <laughs> I love those old ladies. You know, she you know, she may have owned slaves, who knows, but, but <laughs> it was clear at that particular time she wasn't in that mindset and she just didn't know no better. She was I mean, Jesus she was old. So I went in um to I went in to help her. I showed her how to plug and listen for the sound and how she was so grateful and she took her watermelon. Well, actually three guys may have needed to carry it for her to the thing. They got her watermelon. Well, I told that story to a guy I was working for at the time, who was a Jewish fellow. And uh, we were having dinner not too not too long after that, and he said, You know, I got a story for you. And I said, What is that? And he says, You know, I was standing in Wegmans the other day plumping on a plucking on a watermelon. And this old black woman came up to me and said, excuse me, son, you look like you know what you're doing. You want to help me pick one of them out? <laughs> so, you know, <clears throat> that whole thing about what it, what it means to you, you know, yeah. what you assign to it, that's absolutely true. Right. So I helped out some woman who, and, and, you know, we had to further relations of some description, but um, that was just, that was just kind of a, kind of a thing. But right. I I sometimes don't get offended by stuff that a lot of other people are really, really upset by. Yeah. Now, I will admit from time to time, there's a nerve ending thing I wasn't aware of. <laughs> and, I've, and I've had that, I've had that a couple of times and I'm not going to go into a couple of those, but there are some nerve ending things sometimes that I have to process because we've learned that neuroscience has done some crazy stuff to us. Mm -hmm. where somebody can say something and it goes directly past logic and directly into something that's stored in your nervous system and you react. Once I get over reacting to that, then I can process it and go like, what just happened? Mm. What just happened? And, and um, I can do that. Some people can't. As a matter of fact, sometimes when people have those reactions, then they have to keep doing it because they feel it's necessary to justify what it is they just did mm -hmm. so, so it's okay and i'm just like man i i'm i i apologize i didn't even know that was there 
Mm-hmm. But uh, that's a different uh, that's a different thing. I, I consider myself to be, you know, an advanced soul. <laughs> I can see that about you. Just just ask me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, you know, so and I have a lot of those conversations. I have a lot of conversations about meaning and what does that mean to you and, and, and where does that come from kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is that great solution to what Josh was asking about, like, where do we go from here? So when we have that level of self-awareness, then we can have conversations like this without it becoming a thing. And I think when we have that sense of overreaction, it's an opportunity to stop and think opposite where we can go, okay, what if the exact opposite is being said to what I think is being said? So this person asking me about watermelon, maybe it has nothing at all to do with the color of my skin. Maybe it is just, she just doesn't know how to pick a good watermelon. Um, And if we substitute things, if she had asked you to pick her a good cantaloupe, would there even have been a story around that? And if there wouldn't be a story around that when we can substitute one for the other, then maybe there wasn't a story to begin with. And not only that, I wouldn't have been able to help her with the cantaloupe. I'm just saying. And why anybody <laughs> would want to eat those is beyond me. <laughs> oh, God, that hurt. Oh, man. Yes. So, see, you got to my topic. You got to that opposite thinking that I was looking at on this book. <laughs> because initially when I saw that, I had to think, what is she talking about? Opposite thinking. And then I saw the dominoes and I saw the ends matched up and I was like, duh, got it. Uh. <laughs> so um, hopefully that was on Amazon. We can tell people during the intro to go find it, you know. Yeah, it's actually available through your bookstores too. And um, there's audio version as well. I spent a few hours in a, in a theater talking. I was so sick of my own voice by the end of it, <laughs> but it is available in audio as well. And uh, yeah, if anybody wants it, it's out there. Uh, yeah, the th- thinking opposite. And just to be clear that that is, it is a business book. It's about how we can, help use our business change the world but I had a business owner actually contact me one time and she said you know the business stuff yeah that was great and I'm, I'm working on that she said but the real beautiful part was is that I realized that my son is a domino thinker and that's why I've had such a hard time communicating with him because I am not and she said so reading the book actually helped her communication with her son and I was like what? That was my book? That's crazy so we never really know where things are going to land I think it's just our responsibility to put it out there and uh, hopefully some light bulbs go off. I don't know. But uh, yeah, the whole process of thinking opposite. So what I use for people is the, the idea of if you're driving down the road and there's somebody tailgating you, you can immediately go to that place like, oh my God, he is such a douche and, and get all worked up about it and slow down and pace the car beside you just to tell him who's boss. And then you get to work. What's that? You've never done that. I've, I've, I've done that. Yeah. Oh, you have? Yeah. <laughs> and I think most of us have. I think that's why it's such an easy sort of example. And then we get to work and we walk in the door and we throw our stuff on our desk and we're like, oh my God, all the way here, this douchebag was following me. And, and then somebody else comes along and goes, oh, you know what happened to me when I was driving? This is what happened. And then somebody from across the office comes over and says, oh, you think that's bad? Look at my driving experience. And, and then it becomes this really cesspool of ugly. Whereas if we stop for a second and go, huh, maybe his mother's in the hospital and he's just trying to get to her and he's being a good son kind of hard of thinking him as a douchebag and as a good son at the same time so if we pull over and let him go by then we just carry on going to work we notice this great song we go into the office and say hey has anybody heard this song it is so fantastic and now the whole energy of your entire day changes because you changed that initial story you were telling yourself and you thought opposite about it and you were 
and then neither story could have been true. And both of them could have been true. It's all a what if, yeah. Yeah. And so if you're going to enter into making up stories about people, why not just make them really great stories? I read a great thing recently that comes in handy with this story, this story telling thing. I mean, yes. reverse thinking, um, a little neuroscience thing I was reading that says, when you ask a question, it hijacks your brain. And when you ask a question, the brain goes to trying to answer the question. Mm. So you have to be careful what question you answer. You ask yourself too. Right. You know, because if you ask yourself, why is that guy being such a jerk? It'll answer that question. But if you ask the, you know, um, I wonder what else could be than it would, it would do on that. I have learned to anticipate that because what I've found in many situations in life, if you kind of anticipate that that might happen, you can kind of avoid, you can leave room for it. So um, when I'm making a left turn in, in two lanes and somebody else is making a left turn and I back up because he may decide to go this way, it's like, uh, Oh, look, he didn't even see me. I don't know if he was talking to his cousin or what, but we can do that. No horns blown, no cursing, no anything, just a smooth transition to a guy who didn't quite realize what he was doing, where if I start cussing him out and blowing the horn, I have just distressed him or her, especially if it's like, a, and, and we don't know what's going to happen from there. So that that kind of thing. I'm going to shut up now because I'm talking yeah. to you. <laughs> <laughs> And you're right. And if, if we think for a second, how many times have you been going from point A to point C and totally missed driving through point B? Right? Your automatic pilot kicks in. God only knows who you were tailgating during that time, who you were cutting off when you were going left. So it's possible that the other people on the road is just in that subconscious driving right now. And uh, is doing what you may have done millions of times. Just Just be careful. So yeah. yeah. All right, yeah. jo Josh has got that look on his face now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Who let Kelvin drive in the first place? Um, where where are we taking my part? And by we, I mean you, because you know we're so <laughs> helpful on this. <laughs> um, well, I do see it as a we because everybody I've talked to about my part comes back and says to me, oh, hey, I was using it the other day. And can you tell me more about it? And so once we put it out there, it actually becomes ours. And so I really encourage other people to use it or some variation of it to help us all um, quickly move towards a place of communication. And the more people that are talking about my part, the more people who are uh, practicing it, uh, the faster we're going to get there. And I just think that's a win for every, everybody. Like this is, this is not about me. Like this is, I'm just the person that's talking about it. Um, this is about us. Now you should capsulize what that is again, just, just in case people got so wrapped around the stories I was telling, <laughs> they forgot what my part was. Cause Josh is like, what to my, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, my part. So, so <laughs> recapsulize that part of just exactly what my part is as, as a philosophy or, or a uh, uh, technique or whatever you want to, how, how, what, wh however you want to name that. 
Right. I would just say that it's a, a process that we are an ownership that we can take of our um, our part in a situation, our part in who we are here, our part in how we are communicating with our children, our partners, the world, our politicians. And when we can start accepting that we are um, a significant player in our own lives and we need to accept responsibility for that in order to move to a place of better communication, that would be accepting the idea of hashtag my part. Awesome. And we can take this beyond communication, right? Yeah, you know, I was thinking yeah, you know, the other day, yeah, you know, just about a, a scenario in which you're driving along the road and there's a deer in your lane. Uh, you know, some road kills somebody somebody hit it ten minutes ago and it's just laying there and it's blocking traffic in your lane. And now, now you've got to stop and wait for cars to come by the other direction. You didn't hit it. It's not your fault. But, you know, if you take two minutes, put your hazards on, step out of your car, move it to the side of the road, now you've done your part in making everybody else's commute easier and safer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, it, it can go way beyond just, just being able to to talk, just take responsibility for for any situation in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Because if not, you, who, not if, what is the expression? If not you, who? Is that how it goes? And you're right. And I hadn't even thought of it that way. So thank you for that. So is there a, is there another book coming out of this? <laughs> oh God! You're like, don't give me all that work. <laughs> Actually, I really the, writing the book is, I think, so much easier than most people. Um, think because we build this up we tell ourselves these stories about how you have to be the certain type of person and you have to um, you know know these certain things and you have to have gone to these certain schools and 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 that's not it at all like if you have a book inside of you I say just write it it is so much easier than you think it is it really really is let's see I think the way that Tim Ferriss puts it is um, don't write a book until it's easier to uh it's easier to write it than to not write it. <laughs> yeah. That when leaving it inside is, is so much work right? that you'd yeah. rather just write the thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I think when, when you get an inkling of, I want to do this, then I'm just like, then do it. That is your soul telling you to do something and then just figure out a way of doing it. And so anybody out there that's looking to write a book, just figure out who you're, who you want to write it for, who needs to hear your message and then just write it for that one person. Outline it and then sit down and write diligently a certain amount of things a day or a week or whatever you decide to do. And it just, um, it happens and it really, get your, get your idea out there, it's important. And even if it's just a story for your family, um, telling about your life or for your children, it's, you know, just do it. We forget about that stuff. Yeah. So, so back to my original question. Sorry. So, so is there another book coming out of this? <laughs> oh gosh, I thought wait, I was going to that. <laughs> I have no idea. Not right now. I imagine the more conversations I have, the more things I will feel are necessary to put in one place. But you're hoping for a speaking tour at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would love that. I, I, you know, my favorite part of speaking is at the end when people come up afterwards and just say, wow, I never thought of it that way. Or that's what I was trying to say, but I didn't know how to say it. And now I know how to have these conversations with people. Like to me, like that's, that's the best win. Yeah. Because then it becomes ours. 
whatever it is. <laughs> what are some of your favorite questions that you've gotten at the end of those sessions? Oh, um, well, when I did the speech in my um, about Me Too, I actually had quite a few people contact me after that one, and a surprising number of men. And the one that um, we, we got talking about it, and he actually ended up being a guest on my radio show yesterday and talking about his rape experience. And it's, it's the conversations, it's the learning that I get to do as well because there were so many things that he brought to my attention about um, male men being raped that I hadn't even thought about. And it brought an awareness to me that I am not um, doing men, I'm not doing right by men by not thinking about those things. And so quite often, it's the things that people come back and say to me, I just find is amazing learning and growing opportunities for myself so that I can be better. What do you think is out there that you haven't, um, with regard to this, that you haven't had a chance to explore yet that you kind of wish you uh, would, would be able to take some time to? Um, I would... Well, a TED Talk would always be cool. Uh, <laughs> but I would really like to uh, create a platform where people can start openly discussing the elephants in the room. That that part of it, you know, we might, might know 60% of something, but it's that 40% that we are refusing to talk about because it somehow shatters us when we do. I want to create environments where it's okay to talk about those things, where it's okay for Tony Robbins to say what he said without being forced to recant it, um, even though it was a really important thing that he said. Because we don't want to look at it. We don't want to look at how we might be not behaving as well as we could. That's what I would like to see. I'm looking at your website, Domino Thinking, actually, and I'm just going through your list of things that you believe. <laughs> and you don't happen to have your website open, do you? Me, no. Oh, okay. But I, I might remember the things I believe. So, I really so I'm going gonna, gonna to tell you what you believe, and you can comment, <laughs> you can comment on them, or, or maybe I'll ask you to comment on, on them. Uh, one of the things you say that I really like, and you haven't said it specifically this way in this conversation, is we need to think about what we think about. Mm -hmm. so that we can anticipate the ramifications of our choices. Um, so we've kind of covered that, but have we missed anything on this concept that you? Uh, I think the only thing that I would like to add to that is that thinking about what we think about takes time. It's just like eating and sleeping and, and all of those things. And I think if we can find a way of giving ourselves space in our life, to think about what we think about. Uh, that's how we grow. That's how. So if I am pro-choice, which I am, um, but if I never think about why I'm pro-choice, then am I really? If I don't think about the merits of the other side, pro-life, then how can I truly understand or connect to what I believe in? So I can walk around saying, oh, pro-choice, pro-choice, woman has a right to choose. But if I don't think about it in terms of um, dying with dignity, because isn't that a life choice? Isn't that somebody deciding what to do with their own body? If I don't think about it in terms of suicide, isn't that somebody's right to do what they want with their body or drug abuse or, or whatever it is that they're doing? Have I really explored the concept of pro-choice? 
I don't, I don't think we have to cover this next one. It says we are the solution and the problem because everything is connected. We've, we've talked about that. Have we talked about that enough? No, I think so. All right. How about um, everyone has value and so does their perspective? Yes. Yes. And that's like the watermelon thing, right? The person who thinks, <laughs> that was wonderful. Yeah. I right. <laughs> it's, um, when we can start seeing that people may not be coming at us the way we think they are, Mm-hmm. And and or they are and they have their own reasons for doing it. Yeah. There you go. We have to own our shit—the good, the bad, <laughs> the ugly—so we can so we can be accountable to overall betterment. Josh, I did the E this time. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's two out of the last three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that I think is pretty. We've covered that. And you've probably said that. Okay, it's not all serious. Everything and none of it matters. Yeah. Yeah, you need to talk about that. Everything and none of it matters. Yeah, when we're on our deathbed, how much do you think we're really going to care about the guy that was tailgating us? And if we can keep it in perspective of what really matters, um, in that situation, what matters about it, because everything matters, is how we react to it. But we, if we react to it knowing that none of it really matters, we may actually end up just reacting to it in a more positive way. All right. Be brave. We are capable of more than we think. And our fear is just a compelling illusion. Mm, Yes. You know, when I look back on the things I've done in my life and I think, oh, I, I never, I would still be on welfare if I didn't believe that I could move beyond that. And it does take a level of bravery. It does take a, a level of, um, bravery I guess yeah to to ignore that little guy on our shoulder saying you can't do this stay small it's it's hard to stick up to that little bully because it's in our brain and it's really hard to turn it off and so bravery shows up in so many different ways and and one of my favorite things is watching other people be brave watching them do something so far out of their comfort zone and watching that whole process of them, you know, doing whatever it is, bungee jumping and and then going up there and talking themselves into it and then actually jumping off the edge. It was actually a pretty cool experience. Um, I like skydiving better. <laughs> but <laughs> Oh, you've done both. Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah because yeah. I think it's important to do things that scare us. And, uh, and that's different things for different people. Somebody said you should do one thing that scares you every day. I don't know if I want to go with that. <laughs> and this last one up here, which I like, is win, lose, is still lose. I can't win if someone else is losing. Yeah. Yes. And I think when we approach all situations with that thinking, it, we win. If we have that willingness to go in with that attitude, it's already so much closer to a win-win. Yeah. And it used to be on that list that we should, cause, well, I have 18 principles, so it got moved from this list to that list, uh, and that you should always buy good tequila. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Yes, and Jose people is not really tequila. <laughs> not really. Um, staying you have to mix it with something, or you have to no, take it. No. It, it's not yeah. good tequila. Yeah, and, you know, lime and salt, honey, those are just, no, that's no, you just, no. It's something that you can just put in a glass and sip on. I know, I know. Yes, I have some good stuff. But and that, I, the reason I say that too is one, yes, I, I'm serious about tequila. But the other reason is that I think we should always do the best that we can afford. 
um, which is not saying go into debt for anything else, but do not buy that cheap ass $10 pair of shoes. Wait until you have the $100 pair, $100 and buy that pair that you really want. One, it's going to last you longer. Two, you're going to feel better about it and you will end up saving money in the long run. And I think that goes for quality of friendships. Don't settle for those ones because you're looking for quantity. You know, go for those ones that offer quality. Go for the, the best of everything and then savor the best. And your idea of the best and somebody else's idea of the best may be totally different. Um, but, and that's okay because we're not all supposed to love the same things. But when we can um, treat ourselves and value ourselves enough to uh, provide it with the best that we can afford um, in a way that we can enjoy it, I think that's, that's an amazing way to live. Awesome. Loving that. I say awesome a lot. Sorry. It's kind of uh, the North American word. I was traveling and uh, the, the local people kept making fun of the other people in the group because they said awesome a lot. What I really love is British because they have such a huge use of their vocabulary. Unlike us, we tend to shrink our vocabulary. But awesome's awesome. Let's work on it. Let's work on it. So. <laughs> I guess. All right. All right. Well, um, anything that we didn't give you an opportunity to say that that uh, is still floating around that you hoped we talked about, you hoped we would talk about. Could I do that? Yeah, that's how. I, <laughs> my mouth's <laughs> working now. <laughs> I don't think so. Gosh, I feel like I've talked an awful lot. Um, you guys make it so easy to have a conversation. I so appreciate it. No, I think I think that's it. That's out there. You know, just like love each other. Well, where um, where do you like to hang out online? Where can people find you? Uh, Facebook is probably the easiest one. I have a Domino Thinking page there. And all my radio shows go up on there. And like I said before, if people want to email me, info at dominothinking.com. I really do my, I think I said it before. Maybe I didn't. Um, I really do my best to answer every email timely. I do answer every email and I try to do it in a timely fashion. And... I love having all sorts of conversations. All right. Well, great. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. I think you're just coming up on 10 o'clock there. So you got a, yes. you got a lot of day to be had. A lot of day. Yes. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. All right. All right. Great. See you next time. Yes. show notes and more at jkwdpodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends, and we will see you next week. Bye!